This is Charles Zuta, and I'm your host for the Fountain of Life podcast. I thank God so much for the grace we've had to share his word, and uh, thank you for all who followed us on various social media platforms, and you have been following this podcast. I'm really glad to be connecting with you again on another episode of the Fountain of Life podcast. For the past episodes, we've been looking at manna, God's recipe for nourishing body, soul, and spirit. And the previous episode, most current one, we talked about the dew. It's so refreshing listening and learning about the dew because we saw how it was used as a symbol of blessing for various people for in Israel and even beyond, and how even in nature, dew plays a part in bringing refreshing to nature. So, in a lot of ways, as we go through this series, there are some very profound truths that we are going to come across, and it's really, really so exciting seeing the picture emerge of what God has in store for us, even as we fellowship with Him and we go into His Word and try to understand all of the things that he has proposed for us to enjoy in our lifetime. So thus in this episode, I want us to find some connection between manna as it was presented in the Old Testament to its modern day application in our lives as believers. Why do we need to know about manna at all? Why do we even have to look at this whole story about how God provided food to people in the Old Testament. After all, none of us will ever go to take, you know, basket and go out on the streets to look for manna. So why should we bother to know? Why does it even apply to us at all? But there are some very profound truths that we need to understand, which might help us even in our journey as we walk with God. So I want us to continue today and look at some connections between what God was teaching them in the Old Testament using manna and how we also can benefit from that in our relationship with God, our relationship to the Word of God and with Jesus Christ. But first and foremost, I want us to recap by going to Exodus chapter 16, where God began to now give them instructions. We saw that the manna comes so that there's no mystery about it. Dew forms. When the dew is lifted, then manna is left behind. So we now have a firm understanding of that process. So let us look at how God wanted them to collect it, to use it and all. But before we go into those details, I want us to first establish that connection to the New Testament And then we'll go back to the Old Testament to look at something that I captioned God's table manners. Okay, that's with regards to how they collect, eat, and then process manna. Right, so in Exodus chapter 16, verse verse 15, this is what the Bible. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? But they did not know what it was. 
And Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's need. One omer for each person according to the number of persons. Let each man take for those who are in his tent. So that is the first instruction God gave them. This manna will come, collect it. Every man has to collect it. And that is very crucial for us to understand. We'll go into detail to discuss the relevance of that. Every man has to collect it. And then he gave them a measure of how much to collect. That's one omar. Omar thinks about three quarters of a gallon. So you collect that much for one person. But not only for every man, but also you take to give according to that's to the number of people in your tent or practically every household and this is so critical because in the new testament you see a lot of or not just in the new even in the old god deals with households very very importantly when they were coming out of egypt the passover sacrifice was according to households and then also we see here that there is talk about giving to the people in your tents, presumably those people who are in your household. And in the New Testament, we see the same thing. So there are some very interesting parallels here, which is pointing us to something that we'll be discussing shortly. That is how manna applies to us. But the key thing that I want to establish here is that each person, each man has to go out and gather it. The manna was raining outside. It wasn't raining within their tents. Okay. So it takes effort. You need to go out and get it. Okay. You have to go out of your tent to go get it. God in his generosity has placed the manna within their reach. But definitely he wants them to put in some effort. If you stay in your tent the whole day, you're not going to get anything. You need to go out and get it. And then also, going out to get it means you agree with the fact that the manna is only for a limited period of time. And it also establishes the fact that you believe that there is manna. Because remember, the manna fell in the night. The dew fell, and when the dew lifted, it was all there. So presumably, in the night times when they were asleep and all that, God performed this miracle. They wake up and then it's all there. So you must believe that, yeah, God is going to provide this food for us to get out. So it's obedience as well. It's faith. And then it is also establishing a belief system. Because if you didn't believe that there was manna outside, you're not going to get out of bed. You're just going to forget it. I mean, this thing now, I don't even know there's even anything going to come. Right? So, the mere fact that God told them, you have to go out and gather it, means that these people need to develop some faith system, to believe in the truth of God's word, to believe that what he has said is true. So, that begins to reinforce God's premise as Moses narrated it in, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, that God caused them to hunger. And he caused them to thirst and he fed them with manna so he will know what is in their hearts, whether to obey his word, to let them know that man doesn't live by bread alone, 
but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So the act of going out is act of obedience. It's act of learning to live by that word which God has said. So the instructions are the primer, the primary things that God wants them to learn in terms of obedience. Going out to get it. That is a step of obedience. It requires effort and it establishes also within their hearts that God is providing for them. That this is the provision of God. This is what God has promised them. So that is a very interesting point for us to diverge. I'll come back in later episodes to look more at God's dinner table rules and how those applies to us. The table manners God was teaching them how to collect it, eat it, process it, and all of those things. But before that, having established this fact, I want us to go ahead into the New Testament and see what God had in mind. Okay, what God had in mind. But before we go to the New Testament, I want to establish a few things with regards to this. They had to go out and gather that effort part. We can't stress that enough. We talked about that effort and we pushing ourselves to harness all the blessings that God has for us when we discuss the issue of Noah that is building ourselves an ark. But here, it's the same effort. It's the same requirement to go out and do something, to step out of our comfort zones, to be able to put in some effort. So there are a couple of scriptures that we need to understand. For instance, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, this is what the Bible says. It says, For all the promises of God in Him, that is in Christ, are yes and in Him. Okay? Amen. To the glory of God through us. You see, so everything that God has promised us, everything that God wants to give us, everything that God is doing, He's He's willing to do it. He's, it is yes. God is not yes and no. It is yes. Whether it's healing, it's deliverance, it's whatever that God has said in His Word, as far as He's concerned, it is yes. And in Christ Jesus, okay, He is the key that opens all the treasure store of God. But it is through us. Okay? We make it work. If the promises are there and we don't tap into it, we don't use it, then from God's perspective, it's all there, but we don't benefit from it. So in the same way, each man had to go out and collect that manna. God has provided it. It is not for me or you or any other person to argue with God as to whether it's there or not. So long as it's concerned, it is yes and amen in him through us. So they had to go out and then collect that manner. That is the basic premise of our relationship with God. And then in Philippians chapter 2, and the verse 12, Paul wrote this to the Philippian church. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So God has provided the salvation. It is there for us. He saved us. He's done everything that he could do. But salvation is a very big word. It's all inclusive. 
takes care of our body needs, take care of our soul, our spirit, and all of that. But we have to work it out. It is our responsibility, as it were, to go out and collect the manna of salvation. Bible says, therefore, with joy, shall you draw waters out of the wells of salvation. We draw the water. The salvation is deep, bottomless, full of the refreshing, nourishing goodness of God. But we will have to draw waters out of that well of salvation with a bucket of joy, with gladness, with excited attitude. You see, so God was virtually teaching them that principle, which we find in the New Testament, telling them each man go out and collect it go out and collect it and then also you have to collect for those in your tent those in your tent before we look at those in your tent i want us to look at the relevance of this in the new testament if you go through the new testament Salvation is not just for the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you have been saved in your household. So, like I said, households are so critical, they are so important. God looks at us not just as you being saved or me being so anybody being saved, but He looks at the influence of that salvation He's given us on all who are around us. So, we will look at all those comparisons in later episodes, but today. Now that we've established that individual responsibility and commitment and the lessons that teaches us, that is putting in effort, it being a lesson in obedience and it being a lesson in establishing faith in God's word, which is what God wanted to do. Let us look at why manna is important and we need to understand all of this. So I want you to go with me in your Bibles to John chapter 6. Book of John chapter 6. There's an interesting dialogue in which we find Jesus explain this connection that we are looking for and provides us a clue to how manna applies to us and its relevance even in our days. So John chapter 6 and we'll start from verse 20 I think. So, to give you a bit of a backdrop to this story, this from verse 1 to verse 20, Jesus Christ had worked the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 with just five loaves and two fishes, whatever fish they had that. And he fed them and they collected 12 baskets of surplus. So, this multitude was so excited. Remember, it was in the wilderness, there was no shops, nothing. So, he worked a miracle and then they got food to eat. So after that, fast forward a couple of days, he and the disciples went to another part you know, of town and they crossed a lake, went to another part. Lo and behold, the people followed them there and they were asking Jesus, huh, how did you come here? So they were curious about Jesus and his movements. So when the people got to him, Jesus read their minds. He kind of understood something and... Um, this is the dialogue that Jesus had with them. He said, Most assuredly I say to you, from verse 26, You seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Come on, who doesn't want free food? So, it is very normal for this one to hang around Jesus. Wow, everybody wants to hang around somebody who gives free things. Right? 
So Jesus said, no, no, no. You guys are not hearing all these numbers because you saw the sign and the wonder of even this miracle that we did. But because you got free food. Come on, Jesus. That's more free food. All right. But the other thing is, he began to teach them the relevance to build that connection between nourishing the body, the soul, and the spirit. All right. So Jesus then gave them a lesson in that subject. He said, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the man, son of man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. So Jesus is saying, yeah, it's great. It's okay, but look beyond just nourishing your body to your soul and your spirit. Find the food that will lead you into everlasting life, which the Son of Man give you because God has set him as a seal. You know, set his seal of approval on him. So they, they also began to get spiritual. They began to ask, oh yeah, we want to do that. How can we do the work of God and all of those things? And then they also ask, what sign will you perform that we may see you and then we can believe in you and all of that. Then they quoted this manner story that we are studying in verse 31 this is what he said our fathers ate manna ate the manna in the desert as it is written he gave them bread from heaven to eat so they knew about manna they knew about what we are studying today so when jesus was talking about doing the work of god bread from heaven and all of those things they told him yeah we know that we know that moses gave you know our father's bread and we ate and all of that Remember, they had also eaten in the wilderness. 5,000 of them, they ate bread. So it just, the imagery was just like the same. So it was easy for them to connect the, the 5,000 who ate Moses and then the present situation, this dialogue that they were having with Jesus. But this is what Jesus said to them. Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He says, I am the bread of life. So if you are talking about manna and everything that it represents, I want us to begin to shift our focus to the manna that God gave to the human race. That is Jesus Christ in our hunger in our desperation and spiritual farming, God gave us his son, who says he is the bread of life. So all the lessons we are going to learn as we look at manna, I want you to look at it with the backdrop, Jesus Christ. Bible says he is the word of God. In the beginning was the word, the word became flesh, and the world dwelt among us. We saw his glory as the only begotten of the Father. So he is the, the word was with God. He is the embodiment of the truth, the word of God. So any of the lessons that we are going to talk about in this series, look at it from the perspective of your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Let us look at it from the perspective of our relationship to the word of God, because that is who he is. Let me just give you some 
very uncanny similarity between how God gave Jesus to the world and how he fed the Israelites with manna. Remember the dew? When the dew fell, the dew is symbolic of God's presence, his spirit, and everything that the refreshing, the goodness, and everything of God. And it took the dew to fall for manna to come. Remember how Jesus came. Getting manna from the desert floor is an unnatural way by which human beings feed themselves. We pluck food from things that grow. We farm, we cultivate, we do all of those things. It is rare to just go out and just the food just shows up. It's unnatural. In the same way, when God was giving Jesus to us, just think about it. It was not a natural process. It's just like how the dew came and food came. That is the same thing. Mary asked the angel, how is that going to be? I'm not even married. And said, the Holy the Spirit will come over you, settle over you, and whatever the Son of God, you just take it. That's it. It's unnatural. It's not a natural process. So it, it just begins to speak to me about the similarities. And so when Jesus says that he is the bread of life that came, in our dealings with him and dealing with the word of God is embodied Jesus embodiment of every good thing that God has for us but how do we take him how do we enjoy him how do we fellowship with him how do we take him remember he told them it is for eternal life it's not just the nourishing of our bodies but also our soul and our spirits so in this episodes as we discuss it Use this as a backdrop that the manna is about our fellowship with the Father, nourishing of our spirit, nourishing of our souls. We no more go on the streets with a basket to collect manna, but we will daily collect manna in the face of Jesus, in the word of God. So I continue to look at this in the next series of episodes. And once again, I want to really thank you for being a part of this podcast and enjoying it and I pray that God will continue to bless you even as you listen to them. For those of us who are interested in other avenues of this podcast, I'll let you know that it's available on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Spotify, Amazon, and all the other places where you usually get your podcast. The good thing about using all those other avenues that you always get advanced notification whenever we release any new podcast so continue enjoying it and i pray that we'll have the chance to continue to study god's word in a way that will really be rewarding to all of us god richly bless you i look forward to engaging with you again in the next episode thank you very much yeah, I am the well of life Come to me, you thirsty soul